Welcome and good morning. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. You're hearing us on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. And you can find us on www.nhtalkradio.com. NH Unscripted is a podcast that I started so that folks can find out more information about the people who produce the shows that you see. Um, I call it the place where the arts go to chat. In studio with me today is a very good friend of mine, Brian Halpern. Brian, um, well, I'll let him introduce himself here in a second, but um, I brought him in because he's a lover of community theater, and we're going to discuss today many topics about community theater, I hope, and get into some uh, specifics. Brian, why don't you introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. Well, hello, Ray. Uh, yes, I'm Brian Halperin. I am uh, one of the producers of Powerhouse Theater Collaborative in Laconia. We are the resident uh, theater company of the Colonial Theater and a program of the Belknap Mill, two historic venues uh, that produce arts in downtown Laconia. Uh, prior to that, I was executive director for the New Hampshire Theater Awards for a while. Prior to that, I was a founder and executive director of the Winnipesaukee Playhouse. I've also been the Interlakes High School Middle School Drama Director for eight or nine years. So I've done a variety of uh, theater types around New Hampshire, at educational, youth theater, community theater, and professional summer stock. And um, happy to be here and happy to talk theater with you. And that is why you're here. I do need, need to say at the outset, we do not have the Joe Rogan budget, so I can't offer you cigars and whiskey, but there is some warm water and some leftover chewing gum. You are so generous, Ray. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. When the budget expands, we may get bagels and then go from there. Well, then I'll have to come back. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you today about specifically what, what impact – if any, and that's obviously a loaded question, do you think community theater has? Why does it exist? What kind of people are drawn to it? And, and what is it giving back? Well, I think community theater is a little bit of a miracle of humanity in that people who work all day at whatever job, maybe one they love, maybe one they don't love, or, or if they're home with their kids or whatnot, come together in the evening to sing and dance and play characters. And uh, it's one of the few activities where people of all ages can come together, kids all the way up to senior citizens, and work collaboratively on something. And, you know, I, I smile all the time when I see 40, 50 people coming after work to a rehearsal and putting aside whatever whatever went wrong or right in their day and just getting lost in exploring characters, singing collaboratively and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's one of the one of the few things in this, you know, very strange and scary world we live in that always brings a smile to my face that as as awful as human, humanity can be sometimes that you know, community theater is one of the things that's really right about about humanity. Mm -hmm. So, that's why I like taking part of it. It sort of gives me newfound faith every rehearsal that there is a lot of good in the world and we can share stories that, you know, point out some of the bad things in the world, but, you know, offer hope and uh, solutions to them. But also just the very active community theater is such a, a rewarding experience of bringing people together from all different walks of life. You know, you're not talking politics. You're not worrying about who people voted for. Um, you're just coming together to create a piece of art. And that's a little bit of a miracle, I think. Hmm. You think that 
the community then is better for that. It's richer for having. I mean, why? Why they can go play softball? They can go bowl. I mean, what's the community gaining out of that? Well, again, I mean, think of those activities. They're generally like you know, bowling's got men's leagues and women's leagues, and softball's got the over forty men's division and the under thirty men's division. You know, like they're a lot more segregated. You know, at a lot of our shows at Powerhouse, you know, we have some you know six, seven, eight year olds doing shows with seventy plus year olds who you know have been doing this for years. So there's a multi generational impact to it. There's also um, people of different talent levels that can be involved in it. Um, you know, we call it um, performance diversity, you know, uh, and what we like to see in our shows are people trying theater for the first time, as well as, you know, people who've done it for years and years and years and have loads of experience. Um, so there are very few activities that can bring that breadth of demographics and talent levels together um, into one, you know, for whatever eight or six or 10 week period that you're working on the show. You become a you know a community and a family in its own right. Um, also, you know there's the you know social emotional benefits of it. It's a way for people to meet new people. Uh, we have a lot of twenties and thirty somethings in our group who have you know either come with their social peers or meet their new social peers that you know forming new friendships that they go off and uh, do Dungeons and Dragons together or go socialize or go see shows in Boston together. So um, there's a social element to it. There's a not just a growth in performance level, you know, the more you do community theater, you get better every time um, and you learn from your peers on sta- you're on stage with. Um, but there's also the sort of emotional growth as well where, um, you know, you can, I think you can become a, a better person with a richer life by, you know, sharing your talents and, and diving into something like community theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. And I have so many questions. Now, you, you've you been doing community theater for how long? Well, I've been in New Hampshire since 2004, and we've been doing community theater ever since. Um, I did do some community theater in Massachusetts before we moved to New Hampshire, and that's really where I got the bug for community theater. Where I, I grew up outside of uh, New York City in Westchester County, and only theater I knew was, you know, going to see Broadway shows or, you know, theater at school. Um, the area I grew up in there was not... I didn't know of any community theaters in practice that just didn't seem to be exist in that area. So mm-hmm. it wasn't really till after college when I got to Massachusetts, which has a very vibrant community theater scene, that I kind of learned about community theater. Um, I don't know why I didn't. I, I don't know if there were community theaters in my area growing up, and I just didn't know about them or seek them out. Um, but it was really in Massachusetts where I sort of, uh, you know, found that this was a thing. And, of course, in New Hampshire, there's a tremendous amount of community theater. And so um, my interest in it, you know, grew even more. Have you – now, we've known each other for – I was looking at the um, the poster for Of Mice and Men. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we first uh, collaborated. Is that true? Um, I think I we knew of each other sooner, but I think that's the first time we were on stage together. Okay. That's almost 10 years ago. So oh, you're getting old. <laughs> okay, edit. <laughs> um, so in 10 years, and you've been deeply involved on many levels, so how have you seen the community theater scene morph? And is it getting stronger, weaker, better? Where do you think this is all headed? Um, morph. I mean, I, I don't, I think, 
you know, there are always new groups popping up. You know, uh, people, you know, groups of friends get together and say, we want to do our own thing or new venues pop up like the Colonial, which uh, was looking for a community element to be attached to it. Um, you know, better, different, I don't, you know, groups come and go. It's a, it's a, I, I, I just, I don't know that morph is the, is the word. I think they're just, there are new groups and some groups went away and some groups do, you know, do things a little differently than other groups. But I think ever since we've been in New Hampshire, you know, there have always been strong shows, you know, all around the state at various places. And each group sort of finds its own niche based on, you know, either the community, you know, some groups are more based in one one area and really the membership is centered around that area and other groups attract from all over. I mean, at Powerhouse, we have people who drive up from Manchester. We have people who come from over the border in Maine. And I think it just depends on what kind of atmosphere your group creates and what kind of shows you do and and the quality of your productions to, to, you know, to impact where you draw from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are all different types of community theaters, I would say, you know, some that are sort of like ours, which are managed by people who are, you know, their job is to run a community theater. There's several, there are several theaters like that. There are others that are completely run by volunteers and, and boards that, you know, have been around for years and years put producing shows together. So there are different types of community theaters in New Hampshire, but I wouldn't say necessarily, you know, 10 years down the road from when we, we first did a show on stage together that, it's better. I think it's just there's new opportunities and some old opportunities went away. So are you finding there's still a – are you getting enough people out for auditions all the time or do you have to really work to get people out? How is that happening? Well, the biggest thing we found at Powerhouse, uh, we had – so we just auditioned for The Sound of Music and we had 60-plus people audition. Dang. Um, and we ended up casting about 46, um, which is not the biggest show we've done, but uh, but up there. Um, it really is show dependent. I mean, there's still an element of people have limited free time and they're going to travel uh, to do a show that they really want to do. Um, so, um, you know, so, yes, there are plenty of people out there, but it definitely depends on what you are offering uh, as to whether they'll come out or not. And. You know, you mentioned, do we have to sort of pull people out of, out of, you know, to do it? And what we have found since Powerhouse is relatively new, we only did our first show in 2021. um, And we find that virtually, you know, most of the people won't sign up for auditions till like the day of or the day before. So we feel like we have to pull people in because, you know, we put out our registration form and we wait and a few people sign up and then a few more and then a few more. And then at some point, you just have to have faith that they're going to show up. And like for Sound of Music, for example, 22 people signed up, you know, in the 24 hours before auditions. So what was like 40 people? And we're like, I think we'll be able to make this work, you know, become 60 people all of a sudden. So, you know, it definitely depends on what show you're doing and what the enthusiasm and interest is in that show. But even then... People wait to the last minute. Hang on to that. You are listening to NH Unscripted on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Welcome back to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. You are listening to us on WKXL. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord and 101.9 FM in Manchester. 
We would love to thank our sponsor, Lakes Region Fence in Guilford, for sponsoring NH Unscripted. Can't do it without them. I'm speaking with Brian Halperin. We are discussing the importance of community theater to a community, hence the name. Brian, I was over at the Hatbox last weekend. I saw a great show, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And I had chance, somebody from another theater group was chatting with me, and they said that in the midst of the conversation, they were having trouble recruiting younger people. Um, even though they have a children's program, theater program, what, what they were finding was that the ch children's theater program would fill up, kids would all love it, and then they go do theater somewhere else. Are you finding that same scenario? Are you having trouble getting people? Um, you no, um, and I think some of some of community theater is definitely about relationships. And um, in uh, for about six years, uh, I was doing a lot of theater in Concord, working with people at Hatbox and community players. And when Powerhouse opened, a lot of them came up to check us out. Um, also, it has to do with, I think, as I mentioned before, the types of shows you're offering. They have to be interesting to young people. But the reason I mentioned relationships is, you know, when we first started in 2004 when we opened the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, we had a youth division, a community theater division, and a professional summer stock division. And one of the things that is so cool about what we're doing now with Powerhouse is there's a whole bunch of people that did youth theater with us in our old days um, who are now back in the area. They went away to college or whatnot and are now back in the area and have reconnected with Johanna and I. Johanna is my wife, for those who don't know. We are co-producers, and we do all of our shows together. Um, and uh, they reconnected with us as adults through our new community theater program. And they're all in their you know mid-20s now. And they've sort of re-met and rekindled these friendships they had as kids doing theater with us now. And uh, honestly, that's been one of the most gratifying parts about starting Powerhouse is reconnecting with these people, seeing that the impact we had on them and teaching them theater when they were younger has kept an interest in theater for them as they get older. And now we're getting to interact with these fine young adults, you know, on an adult level now, whereas before we were teaching them as sort of, you know, adults to kids. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about these community theaters. You know, we have a whole bunch of kids in our program. We're not a youth theater at Powerhouse. We do, we do community productions. Sometimes they have kids if the script calls for it, and sometimes they don't. But we would call ourselves an adult community theater. But as we look at some of the kids who are getting involved again and again in our in our community productions, we look at them as like, huh, you know, is this our next group of kids we're sort of raising on theater that will, when they come back from college, if they come back, will, you know, will they will they get involved and stay involved? You know, assuming powerhouse is still around and, and that if, if uh -huh. we're, we're not retired and decrepit by then but you know so we we're, Wait, you're looking at me when you said those adjectives well, you're what? the only one in the room who else am i going to look at <laughs> um but you know so that's a, a an element we remind ourselves of when we offer these opportunities and we try and build this community it's not just about working with our peers but it's also about building relationships and teaching skills to another generation who hopefully will continue on with us or with other people doing theater and that you know those groups you mentioned who said you know that you know they they have these youth programs and they're full and then the, the people go off you know doing it somewhere else i mean 
I can understand why that might not feel great, but at the same time, just remember you've given these people a love of theater that they're pursuing it, even if it's not with you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that should be something you're proud of, even if it, you know, maybe it doesn't impact your current group in, in the way you want it to, but you're making an impact on people's lives by giving them theater at a young age and instilling a, a love of theater in them for the rest of their lives. Interesting. Do you think that, so there's been a profligation of, theater groups of the past, well, I would say prior to the COVID. Um, and it was very evident in the awards, the NHTAs. Um, do you think that that has helped community theater or has that like watered it down? And, and can you have too many th- community theater groups, you think? I mean, you know, on one level, there's only a finite number of talented people who are willing to do this on their nights off after work. Um, So, I mean, I guess to some degree there has to be an impact. But at the same time, you know, I think each group kind of finds their own niche of what how they do it, what they do and who they do it with. And I think, you know, there are definitely theater nomads who go from group to group bending on on the project. And then there are others who find this is the community I want to be in. I, I like it doesn't necessarily have to be my favorite show that I know I'm going to get a good experience being a part of it. My friends are all doing it and I want to be involved. So, you know, it's really, it's really a hard, a hard question to answer. Um, I'd like to believe as one of the newer groups that, you know, we're not just poaching people from other groups that we are providing something that is attractive to people and that's why they want to come out. Um, but, you know, I, I could certainly understand that an older group that's been around for a while, if if they see people who've done theater with them go to other groups, I could certainly see why from their perspective that might feel there are too many groups now. But, you know, everybody has a right to sort of do the theater they want to do with the people they want to do it with. And, you know, I would encourage, you know, any group to, if they did feel like they were losing people, to maybe think about, you know, are there ways we need to change or, you know, is there personalities that are drawing, you know, driving people away? Is that the types of shows we're doing? And I honestly think if, you know, people are providing a good atmosphere for working collaboratively and doing theater and putting on a good show, that you will find the people who want to want to do it in the way that your group does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I brought it up was I was thinking one day about the larger number of groups means that you need you need more and more people to show up, but it it can dilute the quality. And correct me if I'm wrong. It has the potential to dilute the quality of a show because if more groups are demanding the good talent and drawing them away, then that means you have to fill up that space with people who are potentially less talented, who you might not make say the first cut in a normal year or whatever um and so i guess i'm i'm asking does it matter because it's community there does it you still want to put on a good show but does it make that much difference then do you care if the talent pool is diluted i mean you obviously you want to put on a good show i'm I'm not trying to i think you know yes i think on some level everyone wants to put on a good show but i think there's also an element there are some communities where doing your best working together and doing the show to the best of your abilities and your resources is enough to be a satisfying experience, even though you might not be as good as the group in the next town over who has a lot more resources or, or, you know, or, or whatnot. So, you know, there is value in putting on a show collaboratively with other human beings, regardless of the outcome of the 
quote-unquote quality of the show. I would also argue that, you know, like you said, you know, if people are of, of the higher talent levels are being stretched from more groups, it gives an opportunity for people with less experience or maybe a little bit less talent to step up and fill a role that they might not get and really, you know, look at it as a challenge of the directing team, the music director, the choreographer to work a little harder and get more out of those people. And I mean, you know, we feel like our, our powerhouse productions are very polished and professional feeling, but we have first time people on our stage and you just don't, necessarily notice because we've you know we've trained them we've prepared them and we put it we've we've given them stuff that they're able to do um you know like i said performance diversity it's a it's a i mean it's sort of a funny term to think about but um one of my, one of our our uh, regular participants dana gardner came up with it and i thought that absolutely describes you know what you know a good community theater can do it will allow for opportunities of people of all different levels to come together and if you can create a product that nobody can tell who are the rookies and who are the veterans then you've done a really good job of yeah one providing a good experience for the audience but two giving somebody the opportunity to get on stage and feel and act like a professional even if their skills maybe aren't up to up to the same level as some of their some of their companions in the cast yeah very well said. So see it as a challenge, you know. You know, I always said our, our philosophy on any level, you know, whether I'm doing a you know a middle school show or a, a show a summer stock show or you know I don't really pers- I don't really approach it as a director any differently. The goal is to maximize you know the talents and abilities of what I have to work with, and um, you know that's the challenge for a director, right? I mean that's your job to get the most out of your cast. If it's a bunch of professionals. You want them to be the the best professionals they can be. Mm-hmm. If it's a bunch of middle school kids, you want them to be the best middle school kids they can be. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to be as good as the professionals, but you might put together a, a middle school show that's of for a middle school as equal caliber to a professional. Hang on, I hear the dance music. All right. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley, and you're listening to us on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord. FM in Manchester. We'll be right back. We are back. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. And you're listening to us on WKXL 1450 AM and 103.9 FM in Concord. 101.9 101.9 FM in Manchester. You can find us at nhtalkradio.com for all the latest episodes. In studio with me is my good friend Brian Halpern. We are chatting about the necessity or the importance of community theater as such. Brian, I'm heading up to Jeans to do um, Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. Freaking Sondheim. Are you kidding me? God. Look at that. What a subtle plug for your next appearance on stage, Ray. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. No, I just hate Sondheim. I just, um, it's a beautiful show, but I just, um, it scares me. Anyway, um, the, do you prefer as a community theater group to have an evolving door of talent or do you like to have a stable of people that 
you can pretty much count on. I know a lot of people do like to go from group to group. Um, but do you find that, is that deleterious to have to always have new faces or is that a benefit? Um, it's definitely a benefit because, you know, the reality is you're not going to get the same people in every show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we, we feel like we've already got a fairly devoted following of people at Powerhouse. Um, we've already had over 250 different people be in at least one production with us Jeez. in two years, which is an astounding number. We're really, really so grateful and pleased about that. Yeah. But the vast majority of that 250 have been in multiple shows. And we've already have five people who've done 10 shows with us. We, we, we call it the 10 show club. Um, and, uh, and we, you get a, a powerhouse hat that it, it, it's like the Saturday night live, you know, five host jacket thing. Yeah. We can't afford jackets, but we did make hats. So, you know, we've had five people already reach 10 shows with us. We've got a few more who'll get that to that mark in the next few shows. So it's a mix and that's important too. Um, you know, we always want new people to come out. And out of the 46-person cast of Sound of Music, 18 of them are new, which for us is a big number um, to have that many it's new people half. in the show. You, that's crazy. Yeah, it, and, you know, I think some of that was it's Sound of Music. Everybody has heard yeah. of it and, you know, and is interested to be in it. Um, so we love that. So we had our first rehearsal last night, and the fact that we got to welcome so many new people was awesome. The fact that I could say, hey, all you powerhouse regulars who are sitting there, you know, make sure you introduce yourself to somebody new and welcome welcome them to the group um, because we want them to be people who will aspire to join the 10 Show Club at some point with us. I mean, you know, the reason we decided to make Powerhouse Community Theater was we wanted to build a community and you can't build a community with just the same number of people all the time. You always have to be growing and encouraging new people to get involved. And, um, you know, we've been very fortunate that we just had like the nicest people join our group talented friendly hardworking, and so of course we want them to come back because they're a boon to the group even if they're not the most talented if they're you know a team player and supportive of others and encouraging you know why wouldn't we want them to come back to the next show so you know a community theater can become a little sort of subset community within a community and you know while we're based in laconia the powerhouse community is actually far beyond the the borders of of Laconia. Hmm. Let's say there are people out there who are thinking about dipping their toe into theater. Um, A, what would you say to them? Why should they? And let's talk about seeing if we can get them up to Laconia. Why would you want them up in that area? What's the draw? Well, I mean... Um, let's let's break that into yeah. pieces. Dipping your toe into theater, um, you know, if, if you have an interest, if you like to sing, if you like to dance, if you like to act, or, or you think you might, um, you know, there are, are great rewards in the sort of social emotional well being of just the act of singing. Yeah. You know, um, there's you know the emotional growth of challenging yourself to do something new, doing something that might be scary, like going to an audition. Um, you know, I, I can only speak about powerhouse, but we try to make our auditions very non-scary and open to anyone, and very warm and encouraging. Um, and we've gotten good feedback that our auditions are fun and not you know not as scary as the premise of auditioning might be. But you know, the reality is auditioning is scary. Singing in front auditions. of a group of, of strangers is is scary. Well, you just nobody ever makes you audition. You know, you're like the only guy your age who can memorize. You know, so you, you just get roles automatically. Cat, check that. 
Well, you know, I mean, you're a legend, right? I mean, Jeez. you don't give don't get to be a legend if you're, you're already on the experience. podcast. You don't have to keep that up. Hey, you came to me, man. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I do think there is value if you're looking for a social experience, if yeah. you're looking to challenge yourself artistically, you know, you definitely should try it. And, you know, you may not get into the first show you auditioned for, you know, be strategic in what you what you go out for. If, if you've never done it before, you know, a show that has a big ensemble, it's probably, you know, a, a better bet for you than a, a four person musical where everybody has solos and has to learn harmony. Mm, Sondheim. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or Sondheim. So, uh, you know, be strategic, talk to somebody about, you know, what, what the opportunities are, you know, find a group that, you know, you think it would be a convenient place to go to. I, you know, I wouldn't recommend picking a group an hour and a half away for you from your first time and then realize like, gosh, this driving is awful. Yeah. I don't want to go that far after Been there. So, you know, th- think strategically, but you know, it's absolutely rewarding if you have any interest in the theater process. If you're a theater fan who's been, a, you know, admirer of theater and watch theater, but never tried it, you know, why not? You know, it's, you know, see what it's like from the other side, even just the process of what it takes to bring a production to life, you know, from, rehearsal through the rehearsal process you know the set getting built the costumes yeah. being pulled or or, or sewn um, you know and then tech week pulling that all together adding the lights and sound and all that it's a fascinating process that a lot of people in um, you know the, if you just do theater from the audience side you don't necessarily see my dad who is an avid theater goer uh, and a big supporter of ours but you know has never done theater himself you know he said at one point he watched a show and he was like huh, somebody had to choose that pencil, you know, like which pencil it was and think about the period. Did that kind of pencil exist in that time period and stuff? And realize just even even in the selection of a pencil that gets put in an actor's hand as a prop, there's a thought process involved and some research involved and things like that. So that's not something audience members necessarily think about when they're just watching the finished product of a show. So definitely dipping a point in. The second part of the question is why, you know, why Laconia, what's the draw? I mean, if you haven't been to the Colonial Theater in Laconia yet, you're missing out a, a really special experience in that, it, in my opinion, I've been in a lot of them. It's the most beautiful theater in uh, in New Hampshire. It was restored to its 1914 founding glory with a $14 million renovation project um, that was funded by the city of Laconia and the Belknap Economic Development uh, Council and donors and grants and fundraising. But they took pains to keep the historic elements to it, the way the the gilding on the proscenium, the cherubs on the balcony rail. Um, they reduced it from 1,400 seats to 750 seats. So it's actually kind of shocking to think about in the v- same volume auditorium in the old days when it was built, they had twice as many seats, which means each seat had half as much space yeah. as the current space yeah. to do. But so it's got the comforts of modernity with the beauty of a 1914 vaudeville uh, house that you know nobody makes theaters like that anymore. It's elegant. So it's a it's a beautiful space to work in. It's a beautiful space to see a show. So that alone has some charm. Uh, I think when people come in and see the space, they're like, "I'd like to do a show here." Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think the other element is. In general, if you ask somebody what it's like to be a, in a powerhouse show, I think they'll tell you it's a it's a warm, welcoming, challenging, but fun experience, and um, and you'll have a good time. So yeah, I think that really that's kudos to you and Johanna because I do know you have a very deep, deep love for community theater. I mean, you do. You foster it. Um, you, you, it's so inviting up there, and it, that's not true for every group. We know that there are some groups who 
kind of have a disdain for community theater and their branch of it. And um, and that's not true with you guys. Do you ever have a an issue with thinking about can you fill the colonial? Um, I mean, we is that a problem? I mean, that's we, a we don't big... we don't fill the colonial. The okay. closest we came was our Christmas Carol production the first year when the venue was band, brand new and everybody wanted to see what what it was all about. Yeah. Um, you know, we we like any theater, we have our budgets that we need to stick to. We don't budget expecting to fill seven hundred fifty seats. You know, our general goal is we can survive filling like one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty seats. It means if we grow to the point where we're selling 350, 450, we will be in, you know, in really good shape and able to do more and bigger and, and exciting things. But, you know, like any community theater, like any nonprofit, you know, we're limited by a budget and we budget accordingly based on how many seats we think are realistic to fill. We expect to fill more seats for Sound of Music than we did for our most recent production of Secret Garden. It's just a more popular show. Mm. Um, so when we pick our season, we are factoring in you know, a mix of the shows we want to do that maybe are more artistically challenging but won't sell as well. Hang on. I hear the dance music. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley, and you are listening to us on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and you can find us on nhtalkradio.com. We'll be back. Welcome back. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. You're listening to us on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and you can find us on nhtalkradio.com. And we would like to thank once again our show sponsor, Lakes Region Fence out of Guilford. In studio with me is my friend, Brian Halpern. Brian, we need to segue a little bit here because speaking of community theater and things that people might and might not want to do, musicals, you have auditions coming up for a show. Why don't we talk a little bit about Captain's Courageous and all that that's going to involve? Sure, yeah. You know, in in sort of going off of the last question of the prior segment, which was basically, you know, do you have to fill 750 seats? Is that hard? Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely plan our season with a mix of, you know, shows we think will sell well enough to make our budgets and then shows that, you know, if we sell this amount, we'll break even and that will be fine. You know, um, we don't have a lot of uh, overhead and expenses. Most of our fundraising and ticket sales go right back into our productions. So, um, you know, we do want to also give ourselves challenges and keep ourselves excited with what we're producing. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't always have to be a show that will fill 750 seats. Case in point, um, our fall, one of our fall musicals is a musical called Captain's Courageous, the musical, which is based on the Rudyard Kipling novel and the MGM movie in the 1930s with Spencer Tracy. And it is a musical that uh, I've wanted to do in New Hampshire basically since we moved to New Hampshire. I, I produced it twice in Massachusetts with Johanna as my co-producer. Um, before we moved to New Hampshire and our productions won a lot of awards and were really well attended and really excited. And 
Um, it's never been performed, as far as I know, in New Hampshire, so it would be in the New Hampshire premiere. And we just decided that we thought we finally, oh, the reason it's rarely produced is it's an all-male musical that requires 16 men and one boy there who we go. all sing really well um, and act. Huh. So it's a bit of a huh. challenge to cast, you but think? we think we're finally at the point where we have enough men who can do it justice that it was worth putting on the schedule. Um, and um, it's just... A really challenging but really exciting, fun and exciting piece um, of you know a musical that's about fathers and sons, about you know old school New England fishing traditions and um, you know changing of the times and fathers and sons sort of passing skills down and uh, the lessons they pass and when their livelihood is threatened, how do they react with when they maybe can't provide for their for their kids. And, um, you know, that's so that's a balance with Sound of Music, where we don't expect it to sell as well as Sound of Music, but it's an exciting piece that we really wanted to do, that we thought the Colonial would be a perfect venue for, and that we thought, um, hopefully, singing male talent will, will come out to audition for this show. Like yourself, perhaps. Huh. Huh. He dropped that right in there. Um, but at the same time, we also have a, you know, a, a female uh, membership of our group. And so we're doing an all-female musical at the same time called Quilters oh, at, our, yeah. uh, at our other space, the Belknap Mill, which is our, our actual home base. So we do a Colonial series each year and a Mill series where we do the big shows at the Colonial and some smaller, more intimate things at the Mill. So for while the men are working on Caps Courageous, our, our, our women will be working on something called Quilters, which is a essentially the counter program to Cavs Craze is about mothers and daughters and passing on, you know, oral and, uh, quilt, you know, uh, textile traditions, which is a great, uh, sort of connection to the Belknap mill, which yeah. is a, was a hosiery mill for its, you know, it's non community center, non arts and educational, uh, life, lifeline, uh, life, lifetime. So, uh, we're auditioning for both of those at the end of June, but they won't start up till the summer, uh, mid-July for Quilters and mid-August for Captain's Courageous. So, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if you're thinking of dipping your toe into theater and want to hide in the in the group ensemble, these would not be for you. No, these are both challenging pieces with a lot of harmony, and we're hoping that you know people with some experience will come out. Not to say if you're a singer who's used to singing harmony and you know. You may not have acted before, but if you but you're comfortable with learning music, definitely give it a shot. But they're also smaller casts than our some of our big musicals. Like you know, there's no opportunity for 46 people yeah. like in Sound of Music in either of these shows. So yes, this is there's where the strategic part comes in. You know, um, as I said, Caps Courage, as far as I know, has never been done in New Hampshire. It's rarely performed at all because it's hard to cast. Quilters is a, a little bit more known show. There was a Broadway uh, run of it at one point. Um, and it has been done in New Hampshire and, and is done occasionally around the country. But it's it's beautiful music with, you know, like, you know, harmony singing for the for the women involved. So it's a challenge, but it's, um, you know, a, a good challenge for those who like to sing. Captain's Courageous. I was doing some research last night on it. Is it difficult to stage? They seem to have had an issue at one point, not necessarily you, because you said you had excellent um, uh, response in Massachusetts. But Broadway seemed to, uh, the reviews had said they had a difficult time, I think, staging it. So here's my take on that. So it played Manhattan Theater Club, which is a small off-Broadway venue um, in 1999. And I think they foolishly had announced that they were anticipating bringing the show to Broadway after its limited run. Uh, so every critic went in to see it 
with the idea of this show wants to go to Broadway, the nerve of this little show. And it was it was done as a chamber musical in a very small space. So I think the the critics' response to this production can't go to Broadway. It's too small. It would be lost in a Broadway theater. I think that impacted their uh, perception of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw the show and I was not thinking about Broadway. I was just thinking about getting swept away with these seafaring men and these big, you know, sea shanties and ballads and stuff that, you know. No you, men in tights. Yeah, you never see. It, it's, the, you know, I, the Red Review is like, this is like the, one of the most testosterone-laden shows in the musical canon, like 1776. It's, you know, men doing manly fishing things, and you know, and um, and I just loved it. And um, I immediately went to my community theater group in Massachusetts and I said, we got to do this show. I, I, you know, it was awesome. So we did it and audiences loved it. The, um, it, you know, it takes place on a fishing vessel from Gloucester, Massachusetts. So people from Gloucester came to see it and said, can you bring this to Gloucester? So we brought it to Gloucester. And then two years later, they said, could you bring it again? So we mounted a second production of it that won a, a community theater festival and then won the Moss Hart Award when we did it in Gloucester and then was asked to go to Monaco to represent the United States in what? a community theater international Monaco. festival. Yes. It was a little prob- you know, cost prohibitive to do that. But So we declined the Couldn't invitation. Couldn't sell enough cookies. Yes, exactly. But we were very flattered to have been asked to represent the country. So it works. And I will say I watched a video of our 2001 production. It was the first thing I ever directed in community theater. I'm about, you know, 100 or 120 shows beyond uh-huh, that at uh-huh. this point. Hopefully better skilled. Hopefully a little better skilled than I was then, but it was successful then, so I'm feeling optimistic we can make something of it. And you think it's going to fit in the Presidium Theater oh, stage? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It won't get lost in that big... Uh, it's going to sound awesome with 16 guys singing full-throated manly songs in that space. <laughs> it will be something like you've never seen on a New Hampshire stage before. Is that a warning? Is that Should we like put no, that No, never in a good way. Oh, got, got you, yeah. got you, got you. <laughs> Powerhouse itself. It seems to have found a beautiful home up there in the Belknap Mill area. And do you, is it as, are you having as much fun with it as I think it seems like you are? Because... I don't hear anything bad. The you seem very at home right there in that area. Um, are, are you having uh, as much fun as I think you're having with this whole thing? We mean there's always stresses in producing theater on tight budgets. You know, I mean, there, nothing's ever perfect, and you know there are complications. That said. We love the people we're working with. I mean, we feel like we're building a community of like-minded folks who just love working together and are kind to each other. I mean, it sounds wishy-washy, but... No, I know, I know. I I don't feel like, you know, I I feel gratified that people want to come hang out with us on Tuesday nights after work and do these things with us, and I want them to have a good time, and that makes me have a good time. Yeah. So I'm challenged artistically, and I'm, you know, emotionally satisfied in that, we're working with people who seem to be, you know, if they're if they're talking behind our back, you know, we don't know about it. it everybody seems happy when they're there. People work hard. People are kind to each other. They're nice to the kids. The kids get to see examples of adults working together and being nice to each other and supporting each other. So it's a great educational experience for the kids to participate in. So, you know, right now it's still young in its uh, in its development, but, you know, we're feeling fairly warm and fuzzy about it. Just it seems like it's a perfect fit. Like it's been there forever. I, I, you know, I, the Belknap Mill itself, I, I know it's not a big area for you guys, but um, it just, I don't know, just you guys fit. You just plain fit there. I was um, thinking the other day that um, 
I was sitting around the house at night and I thought, you know what? I was thinking of shooting up to the Colonial and watching a rehearsal, getting back to that community theater feel that I, I think exists. It, I had that draw, that pull of wanting to just go and watch and just see what other You're people... You're welcome anytime, right? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know, I, I want to say, you know... Don't lock me out. Obviously, we feel good about um, the, the community we're building at Powerhouse, but you don't have to come to Laconia to do this and be f- and find yourself a group that will be right. warm and welcoming and that you'll be excited uh, to be with. Well, you don't want it to be cliquish, you know, there, which is always a, a chance, right, that some groups can get a little full of themselves. So, And I think, you know, there is something to be said of tip, you know, dipping your toes into different groups to see what group of people you gel with the best. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either to, to try, you know, try your hand at a few different venues and see which community you want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, all, all the community theater groups I've worked with have always felt welcoming to me. And, you know, sometimes there are politics behind the scenes, you know, but um, one of the differences between powerhouse and some other community theaters is Johan and I manage this as a program of the Belknap Mill. Mm-hmm. So there's no community theater board of volunteers who might have different agendas or want to promote their own oh. show or anything like that. You know, Johan and I make the decisions of what we're producing. We hire designers and stage managers and, you know, um, people to work with us. And Seriously, we have to quit already. Jeez. You are listening to WKXL. 1450 AM, 103 FM, Concord, 1019 FM. Wait, did I get that right? 103.9 FM in Concord? Yeah. 101.9 FM in Manchester. And you can find us on NH Talk Radio. This is NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley.